Blog Talk Radio. What is up, everybody? Um, my name is Stephen Arcantello, and tonight we have an amazing show on the Kevin Hartley Show. This is going to be an amazing show because normally, as you all know, this is the Stephen Arcantello podcast, but tonight this is a te- the Kevin Hartley podcast. What this is going to be about is an amazing man. He's actually is a huge inspiration to me. Um, just everything that he's done throughout his movies, throughout his acting career, um, and just continues to push. I know a lot of you guys have tuned into the show, and you have heard his story as well, you know, on and off again, here and there, kind of similar to mine, kind of not, this and that, but he's an amazing friend. We're going to be doing a lot of great things together. He has literally saved the show, in my opinion, and has decided to come on, help, you know, co-host. Now he's going to actually be the host. For tonight, we're going to get to know Kevin. We're literally just going to get to know him. And what this show is about right now is the Kevin Hartley podcast, a.k.a. Kevin's Nightmare. Pretty much, I'm just reading you the bio, like a little description of the thing right now. Right? Um, uh, I'm going to talk to myself in the third person real quick. I'm just going to read everyone the bio, okay? And Kevin wrote this, by the way. Stephen Arcantella podcast, episode eight, the Kevin Hartley podcast, a.k.a. Kevin's Nightmare. Stephen got tired of answering all the questions, so in this roles reversed edition of the podcast, Stephen Arcantello turns the tables on Kevin Hartley to ask the questions and get some answers. Unscripted, with no subject out of bounds, learn more about Kevin as he answers Stephen's questions about life, living, and who knows what else as blah, 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 Stephen shares his light and wisdom, but ignore all that because this is all about Kevin tonight. So without further ado, I did hear him giggle on the other end, so I know he can hear me. We know we can hear him. So... Let's bring on the host, Kevin Hartley. Hello, my friend. <laughs> how, how are I'm you doing? Are you, are... I'm, I'm a little afraid. I'm a little excited, and yeah. uh, no, it's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be. This is gonna be easy. I, you know, it, it's again not to, not to kind of. I know you're excited. You're excited. You're nervous. I, I've never done this before. Like this isn't even like an interview. It's not like I'm even interviewing you. It's because it's it's different. This to me, this is just different. I don't even know. I don't know how to handle this, but. Let's just it's start just off with again. What's that? It's just us talking again. But thank you for the lovely, uh, thank you for the lovely intro. Thank you for the kind things that you said. And uh, you know, I'm happy to help. And uh, you're as much an inspiration to me. And it's that mutual inspiration that you know. It's as we've talked about before, finding your tribe and and inspiring one another. And that that's what moves shit forward. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So uh, how about you kind of give everybody who's tuned in right now just like your life, like where, where, where did, how did Kevin become Kevin? Where oh, my born? gosh. Everything, yeah. Remember, we Everything. only have two hours, so you got to make it quick. <laughs> where was I born? I was born in Brantford, Ontario, Canada, which, uh, which nobody's ever heard of except Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone there. <laughs> so, did he really we have to thank for that yeah apparently, yeah apparently i think his first long distance call was from there to some other small town like six miles away and 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 that's where it all started off um and but i didn't really spend much of my life there my family moved to uh about an hour down the road to london ontario and that's where i sort of grew up that's where i went to school 
So I went to high school and, uh, and then I got out of Dodge and went to Toronto after that. So, I, I mean, yeah, that's, that's my life in a, in a wee nutshell. What do you, what do you want to know? <laughs> God dang, that was so quick. Like what happened to, you know, fun fact about Alexander Graham Bell real quick. He actually, and, and, and I could be wrong on this, but I'm like 99% sure. He, Thomas Edison actually has a house down in Fort Myers, Florida, where I'm from. And it's where he created the light bulb, all that. And him and Alexander Graham Bell were actually really good friends. And he, they were. he, he had, yeah, he had his also right across the street from him. Yeah. Kind of cool. Things we need to know. There was, yeah. um, so, so there is a, there's a, a, a homestead that was the Bell homestead. And I think there is mention there of Edison coming to visit many times because he lived mm-hmm. Somewhere either up in Ohio or up in New York State or something like that, like not too too far from Canada. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were they were they were buddies. Like uh, yeah, they're like-minded guys. Again, mm-hmm. look at like-minded guys found their yeah. tribe, each doing different things. But uh, look what happened. Jeez, where would we be yeah. without light and telephones? Where would we be without Kevin and Stephen? <laughs> where would we be? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you... where will we be? Where, where, yeah, where will we be? Where, where, like, I don't know, you lived in Canada your whole life? Like, is that, have you ever been, you, I mean, have you lived in the United States? Have you, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you in, visited um, over here, of course. Oh, yeah, I visited, I visited more places in the United States than I have in Canada. I lived in um, LA back in 2010 um, for the better part of the year, just trying to do the actor thing, the pilot season, all that sort of stuff. And I loved it down there. And that was great. Um, such a different vibe to the way the acting world works up here. So much more, I don't know, I just found it so much more free, so much more inclusive, so much more open to helping you succeed. And, and you know, it was still very cutthroat. But um, I don't know, up here, people are really, they play their cards tight to their chest. Everybody holds their information really, really close. It's like, uh, I'll tell you what I know if you tell me what you know. Mm. <laughs> you don't know if you don't know anything or really have anything to share it's kind of like mm. yeah i don't really know if i'm going to share anything i don't know it's kind of weird up here that is weird. maybe i'm just tired of it. yeah it is weird but i just don't I, I don't know i just found the states it just was so much more look here's a weird thing so in canada in an audition you would never ever go into the audition with your script in your hand you're expected to have it fully completely memorized so I, I didn't know, I didn't know they actually show. write that in their hand. What's that? Is that like a trick or something? No. People write their script on their hand? Oh, no, 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 no. No, like holding it, print it out. Like, oh, you know, like oh, you okay, okay, okay. You mean holding yeah, like it like in your hand to read it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you would, you would, you're expected to have it completely, fully, 100% memorized. Um, so that's what we do. In the States, I would go in and I would do that. And the first question people would be like, um, do you have your script? I'd be like, uh, oh, yeah, I do. I would have one in my back pocket, but I would have it memorized. I said, hmm. but I have it memorized, and they'd be, they'd be, what? I said, no, I have, it, <laughs> I have it memorized, and they, and they would like be astounded. Um, so I don't know. That was just like a weird thing. But they wanted you to have it because they would often refer back to you. Often in an audition up here, you don't get redirected. You, you don't get a lot of feedback. It's like when, oh, when he says to her. Um, I left the keys on the counter. 
what do you think he's saying that to her for? You know, look for clues in the script. They want you to refer to the script. They want you to look for things. Um, hmm. So that's why they wanted you to have it in the hand. Is ah, uh, because he really wants her to go back in the house so that he can uh, put the roses and the diamond ring on the on the seat of the car because he hasn't done it yet. Um, you know, st- st- stuff like that. But it just and hmm. that's just true in acting. You got to you got to find uh, clues in your script all over the place. Um, but yeah, no, that was just one of the weirdest cultural things is I thought I'd be like this. I thought I'd be getting like top grades because I'm going in with everything memorized. And they're like, uh, no, where's your script? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I grew, up in, uh, I grew up in London, Ontario, you know, just the average, average everyday life. My dad was a teacher in a community college. My mom worked. Um, had a younger sister who was very, very close. And yeah, I just, I just really was a, what is going on with my phone here? Um, oh, people are messaging. <laughs> um, I just had a sort of average, average kid upbringing, but I fell in love with sort of theater when, um, yeah, a relative took me to a play. And it was just something that wasn't part of our life. It wasn't part of what we did as a family for events or anything. So it was something entirely new. And you go into this place where other people are sitting in seats and then suddenly the lights go down and and the story unfolds on stage. And it was just, I don't know, it was just like, wow, I want to do that. That seems really cool. And so then I, I, you know, I started to plays in school and stuff like that. I was real. I was sort of really a nerdy kid too. Like I was a very nerdy kid, um, you know, like on the library club and in the band and all that sort of stuff. I was just sort of like that guy. Super nerdy. And was it, yeah. And then um, it wasn't really till and again finding your tribe. It wasn't really till I got to high school that I found my tribe, and uh, then found other kids like you know band and music and uh, theater and stuff like that. And then I just have the best friends from high school. I still have them as friends today. A uh, small little group of friends, and uh, still friends on. You know, one of the good benefits of Facebook, we're still friends today, and uh, so that that was kind of my that was kind of my entrance into that. But um, it wasn't something my parents got behind when I graduated, because uh, I was the same year. So I came out when I was 17. Came out as gay when I was 17, um, and that was the same year that. I got accepted into a theater school in downtown Toronto. <laughs> my father, uh, who I'm not, I'm not close with. We're sort of not in each other's lives anymore. But at the time, and this was like 1981, 82, um, sort of when I came out, it's kind of like you straighten up by the end of the week or you get out. Um, so I got out. And he didn't know that straighten up meant like be heterosexual or be straight. He just meant like clean up your act and don't misbehave Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. So -hmm. he said, you straighten up or you get out. And so I got out. Um, I moved out. And um, then they also said that they weren't willing to, uh, you know, I could do anything I wanted as far as school or education or anything like that, but they were not, they were not going to send a son of theirs into downtown Toronto when he's just announced what he's announced to them. In other words, you've just told us you're gay and you're going to go to school in a downtown big city, Canada's biggest city. Um, they were not going to get behind that. So I didn't go. Um, 
and I ended up uh, working and living on my own at 17, paying bills, having to buy groceries. And I didn't really have the sort of, you know, that sort of 17 to 24 year old life that most kids have going to college or university or anything like that. And my choice for money was um, either pay rent and buy groceries versus drinking. Like as, as all my other friends that age were doing. And it's like, I, I couldn't, it's kind of like, I got bills to pay. I've, I've got to get to work. I've got to buy my bus pass. I've got to, I've got to, you know, pay rent. I've got to pay utilities. I've got to pay my phone bill. And I'm like 17, 18. Um, so I grew up that way very early. So now I'm making up for it being a, you know, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> well, it sounds like you, yeah. I mean, you definitely had to grow up at a young age then. Well, yeah, yeah, I did. And, um, you know, I guess that's just the way that's just the way it is. There's no going back. So I got into um, I got into retail, and I okay. really then got into hospitality and restaurants and that sort of stuff. And I really gravitated towards the the marketing and advertising part of it. And then I ended up in my early twenties, sort of to about my late twenties, working for a small advertising agency. Um, which I then got merged out of. There's a lot of mergers and stuff in the eighties and, you know, uh, economic change and stuff like that. And it was at that point when I said, Hey, I don't, I'm, I'm 28 now. I don't 27, 28. I don't need anybody's permission or help to be an actor. And it was still burning inside me to do it. So I just dove in, I dove into community theater. I dove into the local radio stations and television stations and said, Hey, if you need a guy to be in a commercial or if you need a voice to be a voiceover, um, call me in. And, and they did. Um, I didn't have any training. I just had the gumption to do it and the desire to do it. So often that meant, you know, I would get called when they had no budget and there was no money, but I was fine with that because it was a line on the resume. It was, I, I, I'm like you, I, I get into an environment and you just learn and you just absorb everything and you take it all in yeah. and you get better from there. And people mm-hmm. give you the guidance that you need to say, here's where you could take a course or here's where you could get better or, or you're really good at this. And, and you know what, maybe you should do that. And that's, that became my education. I, I, I never, I never formally schooled in acting or anything like that, but I have taken tons of courses, tons of workshops in LA, in New York, in Toronto, um, like just tons of, yeah, workshops, um, because actors never, actors never really should stop training, ever, never really do stop training, um, the good ones, and um, yeah, and that's just sort of how it all came together, and then I was in and out of acting, uh, I was in and out of it quite a few times, um, between the marketing jobs and, and the career stuff. It just sort mm-hmm. of ebbed and flowed depending on what was going on in the economy and what was going on in my, my personal relationships and how well my partners um, supported or understood the acting desire, the acting community. Um, so was, it it rough? Really, was yeah. it rough to date somebody? Like, was it rough to date somebody like your significant other that had – I mean, I'll say like a normal job, you know what I mean? Like, let's just say they, they had a nine to five Monday through Friday, but yet you had to 
I mean, acting and trying to get it is it, different. It's not your everyday normal job. So was it difficult for a significant other to understand what it is you had to do and prep and go to these auditions and emotionally understand that if you didn't get the role, how upsetting it was, or were, were, were a lot of them understanding? Um, I would say they all came around to an understanding, um, but yeah, it was a lot. I think it's a lot to take in at first because for the most part, being an actor, at least in Canada, um, there are very few who can do it on a full-time basis. So you're always having a side gig or a side hustle. So, you know, it's always, you know, whether you're going to make the executive salary or you're going to make the actor salary to, to satisfy your heart. And um, so I think for, for some of them, uh, they were supportive of it, but it was, it was for some of them, it was kind of like, Oh, it's, Oh, it's this little thing that Kevin does on the side. Oh, he's, he's really good at it and he really likes it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not really, it's not really a, it's not really ever going to be anything. Um, So that was always, that was always a struggle because there was the desire to want to do it. And then there was the desire to want to, to please them and to meet on, you know, making the same amount of money and carrier weight with the bills and all that sort of stuff too. So yeah, that was, it was always a bit of a struggle. And I think, so there would be times when I would, yeah, so there, that's, that would be some of the reasons why I would get out of it. Kind of like, you know what, I'm now in 35, I've done it. I can't go to my grave and, and you know, I've had some great success. I've done some, I've done commercials. My father said I could never do this. I'd never amount to anything. Well, fuck him. I did it. Um, yeah. And and you know what? I can go to my grave now, and I, I'll never wonder what if, because mm-hmm. I had a fairly good run at success, right? I, I did a um, a couple musicals in Toronto that were the equivalent of Toronto's version of Broadway. Oh, that's big! Um, yeah, that's big. Yeah, and um, what really came down to was, um, you know, leaving one musical. Uh, because I thought I was going to transfer into another musical, and then that musical announced that it was going to close, so they were just going to bring somebody in from the tour to finish out the run, and then it never went anywhere. You know, it never went anywhere. And then, okay, so this was, and I'm a Disney fan, a huge Disney fan, but at the time, Disney wasn't known the way they are now for Broadway, for musical, and that sort of stuff. So Disney was bringing Beauty and the Beast to Toronto and they were going to have a Toronto cast and I could have been a dancing candlestick in beauty and the beast, but I was, I was too full of myself at that time. I was like, I'm an actor. I'm not going to be a theme park player in a, in a, you know, Disney show because at that time it it wasn't really proven what they were bringing to the stage. So my only reference point was sort of the, the cute little shows that they do at the theme park. Right. So it, it just didn't, at that point, I was just too full of myself, right? So I just, I just said, no, I'm going to get out of it. And I, and I got into, oh, I started working for a hotel um, and got an executive job in a hotel. And um, you know what? Then Disney turned out to be doing like the most amazing musicals in the world. So, <laughs> Well, then, what's your favorite Disney movie? <laughs> one, one of my friends. Hi, Jay. Jay's listening. Jay, Jay just said I could have been a theme park, a theme park dancer. Exactly, Jay. That's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Uh, so Jay <laughs> is from California. Jay actually works for Disney. And, and that's what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like one of the parade shows. Um, 
but I didn't understand how it was going to translate on stage. And uh, so, um, yeah, it was just very, very bizarre. So I got out and I got working for hotels. Um, All right. And then what else? Have I lost you? <laughs> I can, I can go on. I can keep, I can keep talking. Have I lost you? Me? On my Have I lost you on the journey? No, I'm, man, I'm home with the journey. I'm listening. No, 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 I'm listening. I thought you were talking to your buddy oh, okay. who just messaged you. No, I'm, man, I'm all ears. I'm, I'm in. I'm invested, so you okay. better keep going. Okay, and I just didn't know if you had any, uh, like, you know, questions about the journey <laughs> that far. Um, so then I got, I got back into, uh, I started working for hotels, and I became this, uh, I, it was like an executive level position for customer service for Sheridan Hotels. And uh, I really liked that. It was really cool. Um, acting still was burning at me, and it was a time when HGTV was just starting to, uh, Home and Garden Television and Food Network and stuff was just starting to blossom. And I got, I got sucked into that world because I do like home renovations. I re- like I renovated the house earlier this year. Um, I am the guy that in my relationship usually is the one that cooks and does the entertaining and that sort of stuff. Not, not solely, but I, I sort of like, I do, I like that. I lead that. And um, so then there was this, attempt to get me into um, Food Network or HGTV as kind of a, kind of a, I don't know how to say it, um, a boy Martha Stewart, as that, if that makes any sense to you, if you know who Martha Stewart is, but H- kind of a lifestyle H- guru. You said HGTV? Yeah, Home and Garden Television. So All right. I've heard it of it, but I didn't know that that's what it was called. Like, I honestly thought it was kind of like a QVC thing where they sell shit. Oh, no, 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 yeah. HGTV is Home and Garden Television. At okay. least it is up here in Canada. I think it's the same in the States. And it's yeah, a, the worldwide you, thing. Yeah, if you don't know who Martha Stewart is, I wouldn't be surprised that she's probably a little bit out of your era. Of course I know who Martha <laughs> Stewart is. She's, yeah, she's huge. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so anyways, I was trying to – multiple attempts to be a boy Martha Stewart as a guest speaker, <laughs> as a, a guest on – a number of sort of local television programs going in and doing segments on, I don't know, gardening and holidays and seasons and stuff like that. So I did that, but I never really blossomed into a, an actual show. So then I got out of that and got back into, Oh, from that for a little while, my career went, I've been all over the place. I've done so much stuff (laughs) that led to a brief stint as a food stylist. So I would create the food that would be taken pictures of in magazines and stuff. So, you know, just making it look just so and, and, um, you know, picture perfect and camera ready and cream that wouldn't melt and that whole bit. So I did that for, I don't know, a couple of years. And then I got into, then I got into, okay, this is what happened. I met up with, Remember I said I, in, in my 20s, I got merged out of an advertising agency. Mm-hmm. I met up with the owner of that advertising agency at a friend's birthday party. And he's like, what are you doing right now? And I said, you know, it's too bad you're an actor because I could really use somebody like you. And it's like, oh, well, just happens I'm not acting. Um, and he needed somebody to head up the marketing department for a fast food pizza company here in Canada known as Pizza Pizza. 
Um, it's kind of the American equivalent would be, I think, Little Caesars or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't hire. The, 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 it, was, it was owned by a family. The owner was notoriously difficult to work with, couldn't get any advertising agency to work with them. So they were going to build their own internal advertising agency. And my friend had been hired by this owner of this company to sort of set up this internal graphic design department, advertising, media buying department and everything. And he needed somebody to add that up. So I, I ended up doing that. I was director of marketing for pizza pizza for about two and a half, three years. And um, yeah, that was, that was an exciting time. And then I couldn't work for the owner anymore. (laughs) He drove me crazy and got out Mm -hmm. of it. And, and then I went into um, corporate communications mostly for pharmaceutical companies. So it was the internal advertising that they would do to staff, not the external stuff that they would do to the public, but we're launching a new drug. So it would be all the hype about that and the staff meetings to talk about it and the incentive travel to go away and listen to doctors speak about it and train the sales staff and so on. So that's what I did for that. And then during during that time, I don't know, a casting director friend of mine called up and said, I need a gay guy. I was like, what? He says, I need a gay guy to be in the show. It has to be like somebody who's a real gay guy, like not real gay, like like not as an uber gay, but like a, they wanted somebody who was gay, not a heterosexual person playing a gay guy. So I said, yeah, Heather, I'm happy to help you out. I'll do it. Um, went and did it. And I got bit again by the cameras and the light and the trailer and the whole thing and the script and uh, started acting again. So that was my sort of second attempt at it. Um, Did really, really well again with commercials, really well with commercials. That's the time that I went to LA. That's the time that I did. I did a bunch of movies, a bunch of films, a bunch of TV shows. That was sort of the 2010 2009-2012 period and then again I was with a different partner at that point and it was kind of again it was kind of like okay is this really going to turn into something um, or, or what and again I sort of got to the point where I decided um, it would be better if I got into real estate. So then I got into real estate and became a real estate broker and did well for money there, but it just, it killed my heart. Real estate killed my soul. I just, I, I, um, there are some really, really great real estate agents, uh, but they are very few and far between. It is a, at least in the Toronto market, it was a very slimy, greedy, underhanded, hmm. competitive business. And it just killed my soul. And I wanted to go in and I wanted, again, the marketing guy and me, I wanted to do new and different things. And I didn't understand, you know, this is my naivety getting into it. I didn't understand why aren't they doing some of these things? Why aren't they doing some of these incentive programs that they could do for referrals or for things for their clients and stuff? It's because there's rules and regulations around it that you can't, um, like by the government. So that just sort of 
sapped any creativity or uh, excitement that I had to, you know, try and be creative That's um, in that regard. Yeah, it, it, I, I really thought it was because I was a, I was a jaded customer. I, I had been rooked a couple of times. Here's an, here's, here's an example. When I went to L.A., I owned a condo in Toronto, and I needed to go really fast, so I needed to sell really quickly. Now, you hire a real estate agent to help you, to help you navigate this process that is apparently so difficult and so challenging and, you know, filled with legalese and and things that could backfire on you. And the typical commission in Toronto at the Mm -hmm. time, and I believe still now, but at the time was 5%. I would pay 5%, and that commission would then be split 2.5% to the agent who brings the buyer to the table and to the agent who sold my condo. This agent, mm-hmm. as I'm signing the paperwork and I come to that, that part of the paperwork is like, Oh, how much is the, how much is the commission? He says, Oh, it's 5%, 5% for me and 5% for the buying agent. So I paid 10% because I didn't know it at that point. I, I'm not a real estate agent. I didn't know any better. And I needed to go. And he totally, totally took advantage of me. Now, my bad, my bad, bad consumer, should have been more educated, should have known. But that's just my point. You hire these professionals to take care of you, to navigate the process. And this was one greedy sucker who, who saw an opportunity, knew mm-hmm. I needed to get to L.A., knew I needed to move fast. And he said, oh, and he he doesn't know. He doesn't know. So I'm going to tell him it's 5%, 5% for me, 5% for the other guy. And that's what he did. And I never forgave him for that. And then another, and yeah. was somebody I sort of thought, thought was a friend. Um, um, and then another, another time was I brought about a million dollars worth of transaction to a real estate agent in selling a house that we were in, my partner and I at the time, and mm-hmm. buying, buying the house that we were buying. And I don't know, there's just, there's just no real expenses. I mean, there are expenses, but not like they used to be to marketing and selling a house, and at least not in the Toronto market. Houses just fly off the market. They just sell themselves. Um, there's effort involved, but it's not there's no newspaper advertising like there used to be in the eighties and nineties. Even the internet does a lot of the work. Um, there's, there's not a lot of work. Um, so I find a lot of, I'll be bold and say this. I don't really care anymore. <laughs> a lot of real estate agents are really fucking lazy. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and they, they, they cry the blues and they cry woes me about all the work I have to do. Oh, I, I should, I've, I've probably got some real estate friends listening actually. And I would say that they are not because they're still friends. They are not the type. Um, yeah, but they the do the work I not doing, this is what Kevin pretty much just said. As soon as you guys stop being friends, he's talking about you right now. <laughs> exactly. That's it's, 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 it's kind of true. It's kind of never leave the room. Never leave the room. Um, <laughs> it, um, yeah, no, there are, there are some, there are great ones out there. Like I think of uh, what, what brought that to mind was 
um, because I would do the staging and I would do everything and I would look after this. And what brought that to mind was my friend Dan, who's a real estate agent in LA, he and his partner, they do the staging, they do the work, they take the whole project on and they, you know, they, they sell your house. They do things to sell your house. Whereas most people, a lot of agents just list. They just list and they answer inquiries. They don't do anything extraordinary. Um, so that's, so that's sort of what that was about. Um, so I got into the real estate, real estate killed my soul. And then I got in, and then I got, um, I got called in for, and I was sort of doing acting at the same time. So I was trying to bridge both um, communities and do both work. And I got called in for Umbrella Academy for a non-speaking role. And I ended up getting cast in a speaking role. Um, com- completely to my surprise. And I got cast about two or three weeks after I had auditioned. So I had auditioned and figured nothing had come of it. Um, and it's just one of those things. Sometimes they see you for one thing and they go, yeah, he's not, he's, he'd be great for this, but we frankly, there's somebody else who could do this. This guy's better than this. So we could use him. I know there's something coming up next week that we'd be casting. Why don't we put him in that role? Um, and, and that's kind of what happened. And so that was back in 2019 for three episodes, four episodes. And my, and this was the other thing that happened. My lines got sheared way, way down. I, I sheared down to like one line. I think that actually made it to the final edit. Um, but nevertheless, you still did the work. You still went on set. You still had the experience. Mm-hmm. You still brought it to the table and it's still credit on your resume and casting directors and, production houses know that if you were cast at that level, regardless of how the final edit was, they, they tend to know what got you in the door there. So that's kind of how that went. So hmm. I don't know. That's, that's, holy shoot. That's me rambling about me. I don't talk that much about me. <laughs> I, and you, it looked like, I mean, you did for what, almost 35 minutes. It's crazy when you start just rambling on about you, 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 like whenever I do it, you know, every, all the fucking time, um, you start to realize, wow, like I forgot all about that or dang, I actually did that. And then you're talking, right. And then something else sets off like, like, like a tree branch over and you're like, oh, wait, now I need to tell you about this because of this. I feel like you, you get caught up. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You know, you just get caught up in it and I think it's good to do. It's a healthy thing. You know what? It is good. It, it is good to you. And thank you for that. And I, <laughs> I will say, because, you know, you know, you and I talk and and uh, I am at a point in my life where I'm trying to reinvent myself and looking for uh, new and different things, different opportunities. And, yeah, just kind of going through that was kind of like, holy shit, I've I've done some stuff like you take it for granted. Right. Like I'm sure you even Mm -hmm. you you take it for granted. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, at my age, you know, it's been a span of how long have I been working? I was working mm-hmm. since I was 17. I've been working 40 years. I've been working 40 years. Um, you forget some stuff. And I haven't even yeah. told you everything. I haven't even told you all the jobs. I haven't told you the restaurants I've run. I haven't told mm-hmm. you the, 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 um, the I, I worked in retail. I, I ran a couple what clothing stores. Um, what else have I done? Catering companies, <laughs> a, bake, a bakery. I've done all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. but I guess, you know, and the other thing that was funny about that, 
all through my life um, for not having a post-secondary education, people were often blown away by that. They just assumed that I had some sort of training um, or degree in business or marketing, um, and I didn't. The only reason I got hired by the advertising agency when I was in my 20s was they, they were fed up with kids coming out of uh, the college and university in town um, mm-hmm. wanting to be an account executive right off, you know, the very next day, thinking they were deserving of that and not really willing to learn from the bottom up. And I came in sort of, you know, articulate, smart, polished, but not educated in how marketing and advertising really work. And I was willing to learn and that's what got me in the door. So I was just very lucky that that opportunity happened. Um, and that I was just that type of person at that point in my 20s, early 20s, 22, and um, was able to jump on that bandwagon. But um, yeah, it's just, it's been a, it's been a crazy life. It's been a crazy life. Um, and, and now, yeah, it's been actually interesting to just talk about that for the last half hour and just kind of go, wow, I really, I really could go a lot of directions. And mm-hmm. I just I'm sort of that I, I do luckily have um, a bit of a blank canvas in front of me right now. And I, I'm sort of at that point where I'm sort of trying to create what that next step is going to be. And uh, we've talked about some opportunities and, and there's, you know, other things that I consider doing and, couple business ideas I have on the back burner so we'll just see I don't know I don't know what's next but it'll be something (laughs) yeah and it's it's all doable to do you know that's what's crazy is like it it really truly is I uh, yeah there's nothing that human beings can't do it's just you know we limit ourselves so and I think reflecting back on everything that you've gone through it makes you realize holy shit like I've done this 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 and that and we kind of tend to forget about it, you know, because we're so focused on what am I going to do next rather than the right now and what was in order to see your growth and then what can be. So I think it's important. I think it's highly important to always not and then talk about it. You know, it, kind of like what we talked about in many of the other shows. You now we talked about the, the law of attraction, putting that energy out there. If you just keep that shit to yourself, not the energy, not your goals, not anything, but what you've done in the past to realize where you've gotten to, and you don't think about it, that's fine. But if you talk about it out loud, like you just did, you kind of get that wow factor. Like, damn, I, I am, I'm impressed with myself. And that's that whole self-love thing that I know we've talked about. And <clears throat> excuse me, and the confidence, it just, it, to me, it does anyways. I don't know. I feel like it does. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, all, all people want to do is talk about them, 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 them. Some people do, but in the way that you do it and did it just now and your reaction to it, was amazing because it's almost like a realization that you're like, huh? Yeah, because I think when you're living in the moment, um, that's that. Well, that's exactly what's happening. On I, you're not really like all those things were just they they come to you as it's kind of, it's kind of like a decision that has to be made. It's like, well, if I can't do this anymore, then I'll do that. Now that's what I find is a little bit missing in my life right now, and I'm not sure why. Um, and I, I, I kind of do think it's because I don't really have anybody in my life that I have to, I have nobody but me right now that I have to answer to mm-hmm. or think about. Um, so I, I, I think maybe that's why I might be, uh, to be honest, dragging my heels a little bit with making some decisions. But um, 
I was always, yeah, well, if I can't do that, well, then I'll do this. If I can't do that, well, then I'll do this. Oh, I'll, do, I'll jump over here and I'll do that. And like, I wouldn't just jump a couple steps away into something that was like or near what I was doing. I would usually go mm-hmm. from one business or one career into something completely different. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I was, I was able to sell myself. I have a, I have a, a really good friend who's, who says you could, sell, you could sell ice cubes to Eskimos, you know, and just because of the way I talk or communicate or present. Um, and I guess, I guess maybe I could. I don't like sales. I hate, I find sales skeevy. And when I was in the hotel business, the sales department, I was in the customer service. I was at the, I was at the front desk. I was, you know, solving guest problems and checking people in and, and, and making everybody happy, the sales department was like, oh, my God, you really need to be in sales. Oh, my gosh, you should be in sales. You need to come over to sales. I, I did not want to be at sales. I did not – I just don't like that. Uh, sales always comes with that pressure of, um, oh, we didn't make our numbers, or we didn't do this, or we got to – we need more, 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 more. Um, I, just, I just didn't like that, that grind part hmm. of selling. Well, and that's what it is. It's like, a, and it's a weird grind. Like it'd be different if we're sitting there and we need to crunch numbers for a business. You know what I mean? Like, but to have to listen to, I guess we'll call it the man. You know what I mean? Like you got the manager jumping down your shit because the GM's jumping down his shit because corporate's jumping down their shit. And yeah, it's yeah, it's like uh, okay, so I got to sell like five more pairs of these jeans that nobody wants to buy because they suck. But I'm gonna get yelled at because why? You know. Because you chose yeah. – it's, it's weird. Like if you really break it down, it's like why am I getting yelled at for not selling four shirts? Like maybe you shouldn't mark them at $80 for plain shirt with a pocket in it. You know, like it doesn't make any sense. Well, so why are you mad at me? Well, and that, and that I think was what I felt always frustrated about in any sales situation was – but I don't have – I don't really have control over the pricing or the product or the promotions. You're just telling me to – you're giving me these parameters. You're giving me these price points. You're giving me these limitations. I can't change any of that to make those required sales. Oh, well, that's right. That's not really fair. I think, I think it would be different. Yeah. If I was in my own business where I knew um, what value add I could offer the customer or what additional um, incentive I could provide or what price point I could um, negotiate to or change to, I think I'd be much better. Um, mm-hmm. But the, um, yeah, the idea of just, uh, of just, you know, yeah, having to meet quotas and stuff like that, it, it, it just never, no, nah, it just never appealed to me. <laughs> so let's backtrack to you being gay. Let's talk about Uh-oh. how, Oh, no, actually, you know what, you know, we're, we're, we'll get into the gayness here in a minute, but hold on, there was, I was going to pause you back a little bit when you were talking about doing these musicals, right? A little birdie told me that you are a phenomenal singer. And Oh, my God, I know this little birdie, too. Fight the Dragon is your signature song. Fight yeah. the Dragon. So, I mean, are you going to sing it? Right here, right now. I'll count you down oh. to 10 seconds. Nine. <laughs> hey, is that too much pressure? I oh, would have frozen hung up the phone. I would have just hung up. No. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. That's too much pressure. 
and, right. and he knows this Walt, this Walter. Thank you for listening, hey. Walter. Um, um, yeah. And Walter has a recording of me singing that. And that was from a show. It was recorded with, with full orchestra and sound and, yeah, I sound phenomenal, and I haven't I haven't sung in a while. I could probably find the recording and play it. Um, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sing. <laughs> yeah. All right, rain check. Sorry, boys. When, rain check. When I yeah maybe not, when, yeah maybe not. Yeah, when I play my guitar, then you have to sing. Oh well, then we can. You know what? So we'll do a duet. Yeah, so we're getting together in a few weeks. We can we can. That's something. too soon. Don't yeah don't. Don't encourage anybody. Okay. Don't. So we're now gonna pretend he didn't now say that. Limits on Steven's side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the limits. The limits are I am not a part of this whatsoever. Okay. Um. So now we'll backtrack to the 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 whole gay thing. Like, do you think that it is? I'm sorry. Real quick. Hold on. I got like actually a couple people messaging me about these things do you think ah, i'm sorry my mind is out of okay do you think that it was that, i mean this is probably like an obvious answer especially nowadays do you think it was harder to be gay back when you were 17 and came out compared to let's say if a 17 year old came out today and obviously i mean that they, they, that's a easy answer being that everybody's so accustomed to it now and back then it probably wasn't but do you think that it's easier now because we are more there's more social media life about it like if there was social media back then people would see it more often but nowadays we have so many outlets to where we're able to see it that it makes us we we, we kind of have to be comfortable doing it like getting used to it because we have no choice, you know, and I know that might sound kind of harsh to a lot of people, but that's the reality of it. It's kind of like racism. It always existed way back in the day, but now we just see more of it because we're able to film it, you know? Um, yeah. So it's not like it wasn't worse back then or worse now. We, we just see it more. So it's the, the same shit. Um, so how do you feel? How do you feel about that? Like, do you think that if social media pretty much existed back then at 17, do you think gay rights and just everything that is happening now in the world with, with, with the freedom that, that the gay community has, do you think that it would be more accepting back then if social media existed back then and we had all the outlets to be able to promo it more or just what's your take on it? Just anything really. Cause you know, I'm yeah, not, I, like, I'm just, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a real, that's a, it's a broad question. It's a really interesting question. Um, when I came, so it was 1981. 82. How we were not going? carrying around. I just want to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're not carrying around cell phones. We are not using the internet. There is no email. Uh, VHS and beta tapes were sort of just coming onto the market. Um, there was no media. There was no television show with gay characters. Or if there were, they weren't as gay. They were just flamboyant or eccentric. Um, I came out and thought I was the, I thought I was the only gay in the village. To be honest, I I mean yeah. I knew I wasn't, but like, and it's interesting the number of guys that have come out like who who came out after me in my high school. Um, either like quite a bit later in life. 
um, but I, I felt like I was the only gay guy in my high school. There was maybe one other guy that I thought was, but, but, you know, back then you would like, and the only words that were used to describe you were queer or faggot, um, Mm -hmm. like really, really condescending words. There was no, as I say, there was no media to make you think that there was hope that you could be, you know, like now there's TV characters who have typical jobs, you know, gay mm-hmm. firefighter, gay doctor, mm-hmm. gay nurse, gay, gay lawyer, gay this. They even have it in Disney now. Like for those that have seen Beauty and the Beast, they, they, they show what's his name kissing the other dude, the actual Beauty yeah. and the Beast movie. Yeah. They, it's, it's so yeah. welcomed now. Yeah. You have actors playing heterosexual roles in television shows. You have there are gay actors playing heterosexual roles. Um, and, and, and again, um, you know, so it, it didn't, how did it, how did it sort of feel? I mean, I was just me. I didn't, and because I wasn't really tapped into the lifestyle and to friends who were gay or other people, um, I didn't really know how I was supposed to be. I just know how I felt. I just knew, I just knew that I felt it. Now I thought that, I thought that I was going to grow up and marry a woman and I sort of got into high school and I just, I don't know, there, I was really, I had girls who were friends, but I just didn't really feel, I don't know. I just didn't feel what I thought you were supposed to feel. I didn't know what you were supposed to feel, but I just didn't Mm -hmm. feel like I felt it. And then, and then there was a, then there was one girl who, who I became romantically involved with. And I thought, okay, this is, I guess this is it. I guess this is what it feels like. Um, and I, you know, had had over heels about her, crazy about her. But then I had an encounter with a guy, and then it was like, oh, oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. <laughs> this, this is not what it feels like when I'm with her. This is what it's supposed to feel like. And and that's when the light clicked for me. And I mean, I guess I had wondered, and I had been called gay and faggot and stuff. I, I, you know. I don't know, because maybe because I wasn't seeing any girls in the early parts of high school or anything like that, or because I was that band geek or that library geek or whatever. Um, and then when I, when that came on, I was kind of like, no, this is not a phase. This is who I am. And there was nothing in my family life exposing me to that. So I think, I think coming out back then, it's, and I, I will get to your question. It's just, it's just very broad. Oh um, yeah, no, you don't. I, I think a lot of anybody's coming out process is partly the environment that they're in, whether they're, I, I would venture to say it might be easier for somebody in a big city versus somebody in a small town, um, simply because there's more outlets, there's more, there's more gay bars, there's more, there's simply more people to see, to portray the lifestyle in a big city than there is in a small town. Um, But back then, you know, so no internet, no nothing. I was just me. I just suddenly knew how I felt. I think that's what broke my heart most when I told my parents is that there was nothing different about me yesterday when they didn't know than there was today Mm -hmm. now that they do know. Other than that they do know and what their perceptions were 
back then were that those type of people uh, will be hated upon. Those type of people will not be successful. So I was, that's what I was told. You will amount to nothing. You will not be successful. You will be, you will be a shame. You will be a pox on this family. I am embarrassed. Um, and, And what I didn't understand is that, but I'm, all, all, all that's changed is that you now know. I'm the same 17-year-old kid that mm-hmm. you loved yesterday. And now today, I'm literally trash. Um, so, of course, I was going to get out when I was told I needed to get out. Why, why am I going to stay? Um, so, do I think it's easier now? I don't, I don't think anybody's journey out is easy. Um, I do think to some degree it should be because, yes, there are these positive role models. There are lots of positive role models. There are – it's proven that, you know, and now there's laws you can get married. I, Yeah, back in the 80s, I never thought that I'd be able to get married if I wanted to, to a guy, let alone if I wanted to adopt kids. I don't think that's part of my future anymore, but those things were a long time coming. Um, So now I still, I still don't know that I want to say that it's any easier. It should be easier. There's still a lot of hate out there. There's still a lot of hate, um, which is really too bad. Yeah. I think it's crazy because like, to be honest, like if I was gay, I'd be like, yeah, I'm gay. I, w- I personally would have a problem saying it. I could see why people would, but I feel like they would because, like, if they have parents that they don't want to let, let – we'll say let down. Like, you can't see me putting in, like, quotation marks because you're not technically letting them down by saying, hey, I'm gay. But you may think that you are, you know, because of the expectations that your parents have or how you were raised or your friends. You know what I mean? Like you said, calling, calling you, oh, you're a faggot and blah, blah, blah. Because I know growing up – we use that term like it was nothing. Like nowadays, it's offensive if I'd be like, dude, that's gay. Like if I didn't like something growing up, I'm like, bro, that's gay. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, but now it's so offensive that, which is crazy to me because it was a term used if you didn't like something, you know? Right. Um, so, but I guess it would just ha- have to do, like, because me, I don't really have parents, as you guys know, and everybody listen to me, but I'm not going to get into that. But, like if I was to come out, I'd be like, yeah, I'm gay. But I've experimented, I think, with boys and boys and women, like as you know, and you know the whole you know entertainment industry thing. But so I don't know. Like, do you think so? How about this? You said you said in the beginning when you were talking about the the the, the coming out. You said, and you were in high school. <clears throat> excuse me. You said you you didn't know how to act, but you knew how you felt. That, and that got me thinking, do you think a lot of the gay community folks now, because you know how they have the extra extra gay people, and then you have the, the ones that aren't so over the top. Um, do you have to, have to act a certain way to live up to what it is that they feel? Because back then, remember you said that, you know, you didn't act a certain way because you, you know you didn't know that there really was a way to act but now you know we have though you could tell when you see somebody they're very flamboyant um they're not afraid to not show it you know the whole pride thing which again isn't right isn't wrong i'm not saying it is i'm just saying there is a huge difference from back then till now so do you think that they have to feel like they have to act a certain way um 
because of I don't know how society is, or maybe it's just like maybe yeah. being that way is like a big fuck you. I am gay. Come say something, rather than. I hope you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I do. And again, it's a it's a really broad question, so I'm probably going to be a while <laughs> answering it because, um, because I. Because back then people weren't even dressing up as trans or anything. Now it's like, oh, okay, I'm gay, but I also enjoy wanting to dress like a woman. That shit never was thought of probably back when you were in high school, you know? So, yeah, I mean, just, just, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I guess, you know, because we're coming, you know, back in the 80s, we're sort of coming out of a sexual revolution in the 70s. There was a wee bit of it, you know, when you would see a gay person, like I said, you would either see them portrayed as somebody flamboyant or extravagant, or occasionally there would be a news story about something gay that happened. Um, so whether it was the, um, you know, whether it was the riots in New York or whether it was um, Anita Bryant, a spokesperson back in the back in the day she used to be you know promoting florida orange juice and she was a big singer and everything like that and then she came out violently vehemently against gays so that was in the news um but how to be i just i just knew how to be me like and i i again like i said i was just sort of an average kid was i maybe more effeminate than some of the boys in my neighborhood, sure, because I wasn't sportsy or anything like that. Um, but I don't, I don't think I was necessarily over the top. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, and this will be really hard to wrap people's heads around, but if you could reverse it, if society was predominantly gay and you were going to come out as straight, look at all of the stereotypes the heterosexual stereotypes that you could fall into and are they, and they're not all appealing and they're not all. Are you, you saying know, if you were, are you saying if you were gay and you came out and said, Hey, I'm straight. Like if the roles were reversed. Yeah. I'm saying if society was reversed and you had to come out as, as straight. So everybody is gay. And you gotta be like, Shit, I got to say I'm straight and like women kind of thing. Yeah. Like okay. I'm if, 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 if society, look, this is a big, this is a big reach. I know this is a big reach. This is a big step in, in the analogy that I'm trying to make. But if society were reversed and, and people were coming out as straight, think of all the, the straight heterosexual stereotype personifications of a lifestyle that you could fit into. And they're not, they're not all necessarily appealing and they're not all necessarily ones that people like. Um, so I think coming out as gay, like, yeah, I think now coming out as gay there. Yeah. There, there's, there's trying to classify you. I, I sometimes, I don't know what I am. I don't know if I'm a bear, an otter, a fox. I, I don't know what I am. I'm not a muscle sure. guy. I'm well, not a, you know, when I, when that, I was doing that porn stuff, they were saying so like there was so many terms and I was like, what the fuck? Like, like, 
it, yeah. it's crazy, right? How many terms they have, yeah. terminology for what you are categorized as. Like, can I just be gay and want a penis in my mouth? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't really know. And, and I guess there are some reasons. I guess there are reasons for falling into that comfort zone, comfort level, finding your tribe, as we talked about. Um, I guess that's. I guess you know. I'll say that too. And I, this could be controversial for some people. I'm not a big. I'm very um, respectful of the people that came before me long before the um, 80s um, and, and in the 70s about um, somebody just texted me and said, I am a twunk older boy next door. A okay, twonk. I've heard, I've heard of a, I think I've heard of a twonk. What's an older boy next door? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess, so I guess I still have my boy neck, my, 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 my twink looks from when I was younger. <laughs> I don't know if that's a typo if, or if twonk is a thing. Um, I think he's going to correct himself here. Um, older twink, boy next is, door. Is it like a twink or something? What was it that we called Johnny? Okay, twink. Twink, yeah, twink with a few pounds. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A twink, a twink. It's just like a, yeah, a young guy that, uh, yeah, a young guy that. No, it's a twunk. A twink with a few pounds is a twunk. Okay, okay, okay Jay, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> you see um, so much terminology for like just wanting a dick well, in your mouth. I don't understand. <laughs> oh, okay, and like okay, so that's like, and that's a term I've never heard of. So like, I've just learned that tonight here at ten o two p.m. August twenty eighth. Um, that I'm a twonk. I'm a twonk. Thank you for putting that out there. I found myself. Um, you have I've found been found. It. You're enlightened. I feel so. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there, there is that. I think there is. I think there is a pressure to um, to fit into one of those communities. And there's a lot of, and, the, and a lot of those communities. I think that's what I found difficult is that a lot of those communities only like within their community they, there's no mixing and matching um it's like all the bears stay with all the bears all the twinks stay with all the twinks all the twinks stay with all the twinks um and so there was the, the gay community i think the gay community can be really harsh and really hard um there's a but lot of living are harsh on themselves like it's not even that like mm-hmm. and I've, I've noticed that they're not even mad at straight people like they legit are they they, they, they hate their own tribe like you said not if they're outside of being a bear out they're outside of being a twonk if that's what it is or a fox or whatever you know like you said like that's crazy that they hate their own fucking identity that's crazy yeah there's a lot of yeah there is a lot of and that's why we have so many letters in the lgbtq you know, and and the numbers and the letters go on and on and on is because there's so many identities um, that want to be acknowledged, that deserve to be acknowledged, that, um, you know, but I, I would say that I was, what I was going to say was I am, I'm very respectful of the people that came before us that opened these doors so that we could be gay, so that we could have a life, but it's still very challenging. Um, but I would say there are aspects of, of the community that I'm not aligned to there are lifestyles that i'm not open to or interested in like I well i know we touched base on that i think in one of the very like first episodes we did 
yeah, like I don't necessarily, like I wouldn't necessarily judge anybody for their choices, but I don't need to run around and embrace it. Um, that's, that's for them. I don't, I don't understand. And, and again, this is, this is naivety on my part. This is not sitting down and, and getting the facts or understanding. I don't, I am really challenged to understand um, very young youth who think they should be transgendered. Um, I, I don't understand why it's at a certain age. Now, maybe you come into a maturity and you just understand. I mean, I, I was going to say when I came out at 17, when I finally kissed a guy, it's kind of like, oh, that's like, I then realized that, yeah, I've been gay all my life. I've been gay since I was very young. My friend, John, why did I always want to play with at, at John's place? Nothing sexual at all. But John was everything. Like John, like I wanted to, I wanted to play at his place. His toys were the best. He was the best. It was, it was great. I just thought that's what friendship between two young boys was, but it wasn't mm-hmm. the same with other boys. I was attracted to John. I was mm-hmm. honestly attracted to this kid, John, when I was like five um, or another friend, Brian, or what it like you, you would have your attractions, but I thought that's just what friendship felt like as a kid. Um, so I guess I can I guess I can understand why, um, you know, somebody might later come out in life and say that they feel they need to change their gender um, when they're very very young. I guess I don't really understand it when you're very very young, like when you're under ten. Um, parents that acknowledging that their child. Yeah. That's when parents are just that? pushing that. Yeah, that shit annoys me because at that point, like well, you may, yeah. you're not even. But the, the, the puberty hasn't even hit yet, so that's the, that's all on the parents, and that's ridiculous. That's yeah. where they're going to grow up with psychological issues and really fucked up mentality. Yeah, I just I I have to say I'll say yeah I'll say it. I am sort of on that bandwagon again because we have wide listenership here, willing to be opened and educated and schooled, but that's just where I am right now. And like that young, I just don't understand acknowledging that as that big of a change. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I like here. I can't even really talk about it because I just don't know how to talk about it. That's how ignorant to it I am, but obviously it happens. Um, but I do think, you know, I do think people should have those rights and privileges. They should choose to live their life. And I still think it's, you know, um, whether it's living as a transvestite who doesn't change their gender, but just dresses a different way um, or actually changing their gender. Um, if you have the mean, and that's, again, this is where that becomes a problem. There's a lot of means and resources that are required to do that. Like that's not an inexpensive journey. And it's a medical journey and it's a psychological journey. And that's a huge, huge change. Um, So I think there are probably a lot of people who have gone successfully on that journey. And there are probably a lot of people who want to or should, but simply can't, which is unfortunate because they simply can't afford it. Um, What it would take to become themselves. So I'm very grateful that I'm happy in my skin, happy as a boy that loves boys, and 
uh, able to to live the life that I have. Like that's quite a privilege. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm empathetic to those other lifestyles, but I, I don't, I don't really get them. But I guess what I want to say about that too, is if I was a heterosexual, there are, there are heterosexual lifestyles that I don't get either or ways of living and being. And it doesn't seem like I have to go around, you know, it doesn't seem like the heterosexual community needs to go running around embracing all of those lifestyles. Um, so I don't know. It's getting re- that's getting really deep and complicated, but it's just, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm lucky to be who I am. And I'm lucky that I can live the way I live in this hmm. day and age. Um, but to go back to, I think, your original, original question, is it easier coming out now? In some ways, I think it's more complicated because there are all these other options, right? There are all these other. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think a lot of people like nowadays from what I've seen, you know, they want to do it for publicity. They want to do it for, oh, my God, I can get a million followers on TikTok if I just come out on TikTok and say I'm gay. And I've seen it. And I'm like, dude, like, you're not like are you gay? Like, have you, like, I'm pretty sure you've came out before. I don't know. To me, I feel like it's more, it's an attention grabber, you know, for whatever purpose. And I, I think I, it's just cause I've seen it too much, I guess, of that type of way that it's like, okay, yeah. maybe, I don't know. Like there was a yeah, video I mean, right when YouTube first came out and this this dude set up a camera, right? And I'm pretty sure you may have seen this. I don't know. I think he was in high school, right? And he set up a camera in his kitchen and he set it up. He called his mom in and you could see the side view, like the portfolio of him and her. And she sat down and he tried to tell her this, that he's gay. Great video. I teared up on it when I watched it. And I saw this years ago and he sat there and he tried to explain it to her and he had a hard time saying it. And the mom... I, I believe, like, slowly started to cry. He just, and he cried. He's like, don't tell dad or something like that. He started bawling, and the mom hugged hugged him, like, pulled him in real close and hugged him. And was like, I already knew. So the fact that she knew, but it was hard for him to do, I don't know. But that was, like, right around when video came out. I don't know why he wanted to record it. But I feel like that was more genuine in coming out than the shit that I'm seeing nowadays. It's almost like they're dancing to it. Like, hey, I, I came out of the closet, like kicking the closet door open to film them coming out of it, dressed up as a trans, saying, hey, look at me now. So I don't know. I feel like it's too showboaty. Yeah. Yeah, which is, which is I think, then, and, and that's what's really confusing. And I think why I, even I'm confused to talk about it, not just because I'm ignorant to the true facts, but you then have... Uh, as you put it, social media being a performance platform for people with that want attention and maybe attention for the wrong reason. Um, and, and just going about what they think will get them the most likes or the most followers. And how unfortunate is that for somebody who genuinely wants to come out as trans, but is struggling with it, but isn't willing to put up a camera and dress up and come you know, pound open the mm-hmm. closet door and say, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost, disin- it's almost disingenuous. It, it is disingenuous to those people who, you know, who, who are struggling 
But then is that just the difference between, okay, well, one person was more confident than the other person? I don't know. That's where it gets so confusing. It gets so confusing. It does um, because it has like me, like that. if I was to be, you know, gay, I, like, I, I don't know what I am, you know, it doesn't like to me, I just don't label it, but I would have, I personally would have an issue, I think, coming out and saying I'm gay, but right. But I think that that's because most people probably already think I am. So I think that's what makes it easier for me too, probably, you know, but then again, like you said that it just, I don't know though, like even way back when, before I ever kissed a dude or whatever and experimented and all that, I still never felt off about if I wanted to say that I was gay, it never would have bothered me as much. So again, yeah, I guess I'm not really sure either. Like that's, it's just, I guess it varies from person to person. I mean, what do you guys think? Whoever's listening right now, maybe you can message Kevin and let him know. Um, message me, let me know. Like, what was it easy for you guys to come out and say you were gay? When did you come out? Did you come out when you were 10, older, 30, 40? Like, what, what's y'all stories? Because I don't know. You know, I don't know. I've never really met anybody either. That Okay, so there was a buddy of mine in California, right? His name's Chris, and he was in the Air Force. He retired from the Air Force. And when I went out to, to Cali, like in 2009, he wanted to go to some gay clubs. And he didn't really have any buddies to go with because they were also in the military in 2009, the military being gay. It was kind of like, and he was high up there in the military. So it was kind of like, a, he, he just wanted someone to go with to feel more comfortable. So I would go with him. And even back then, like I never kissed a dude. I never did anything, but I was very comfortable being in that environment more so than being in a straight nightclub because I felt more intimidated, like shit, there's going to be a fight here because everybody gets in their clicks and gets too drunk and wants to talk shit. And in the gay club, everybody's so happy. Like maybe there's a fight, but it's not a real fight. You know, get real. It's like people yelling. Um, but even then he was nervous about doing it. And he was a grown man. He was older than I was at least I think by, by 10 years. So I guess it does kind of vary, you know, on, on just maybe, how you were brought up maybe I, I really don't know either well that's that's what I think I was getting to earlier is um I do think it's I think it's partly brought up so where was that was that in California was that in Florida what part of the states was that in like I think that matters true um, Walter Walter because, said 50, 59 I'm assuming he just commented that on uh, one of the posts I'm yeah, assuming so, he's meaning 59 when he came out yeah, Walter was 59 when he came out and has kids and was married. Um, I know somebody else that's listening has kids and was married. Um, you know, so there are a lot, and they're sort of my in my age group. So I do think a lot of it was like, again, I was one of the very few that came out or, or felt comfortable coming out when I was 17 in the 80s. So there's, there's obvious, and then, as I said, there was a lot of guys who came out who were in my high school, but who came out later. Um, and I don't, eh, one of them was actually just two, three years ago as well. So he would have been, you know, 53, 54 when he came out as well. Um, and I don't really know their story, so I'm not going to comment on it, but I think mm -hmm. it's a combination of things. I think it is social media finally embracing it to the point where it's okay enough for them uh, to say, okay, I can now be true self. And I think I have seen a, a couple of the guys I'm thinking of it. I think I have seen them comment that they knew they were this. They knew they were gay a long time ago. They just couldn't do anything about it. Somebody I was 
uh, emotionally attached to or you know sort of relating with online recently as well same situation um you know kids in his 20s really only came out in the last few years still very afraid of um i think honestly i think even the way i comment and participate in some groups online and and just my comfort with being out i i would say maybe frightened him off a little bit because he's not quite there yet he wasn't there yet um with being able to say that he was gay and i would you know between him and i i would sort of challenge him and and say like the people are you're worried about some people but have you looked at your timeline the number of men who have commented on your pictures and said oh my god you're so hot this that and the other thing and then you comment with thanks and and what like they've probably put two and two together um there was no overt gay comments mm-hmm. or anything but just you're a guy with a lot of guys saying that you're hot giving you a wolf or a flame or or whatever um and and you don't think other people are looking at that and kind of putting two and two together yeah i don't really know and if they haven't said anything to you yet they're just respecting you but they know um or they can't wait for you to tell them so that they can say i'm so glad that you felt you could finally share or finally come out but that's his journey right like so Mm -hmm. it's still tough it's still tough in 2021 for guys to come out um even though you you know you would think that it should be easy um but why do you why do you think you have a a general comfort with it me uh you know i wasn't expected to ask any questions this is this is a kevin hartley show tonight but Fair enough, fair enough. I always, I always, I always give yeah. that to you when that when yeah. ask me a question on this. Stuff. No, it's, I, I think everybody's, I think comfort level is different, right? Like, um, I think mine was just like comfort like because, go ahead. No, I'm glad that you feel comfortable that you can go to a gay yeah. bar. I think because, you know, I, it's kind of like what we talked about it maybe in last week's show that, oh, we did talk about it in last week's show. All the, the, the chicks, the straight heterosexual bridal parties that come to Toronto's gay village for their, um, you know, girls mm-hmm. night out kind of thing, because there's no, yeah, there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why you felt comfortable. Cause even though you and, probably knew dudes were looking at you, there was no pressure to buy a chick drinks. There's no pressure to have to go home with a girl. There's no pressure to have to hook up. And yeah, you, you knew can who you were. have a good time, just a good and time. And you can have a good time. Yeah you knew what your boundaries were and you're cool with, mm-hmm. with your buddy and, and his friends, but you knew there was no, you know, you knew who you were. Exactly. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So Jay, he, I think, you know, Jay, he actually messaged me on Instagram tonight. He said he's buddies with you. I don't know how to pronounce yeah. his last name. A Q U I L A N T I. Aqualanti. Yes. Maybe. Okay. Yes. Anyways, he, <laughs> he said, that's Jay who told me I'm a twunk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause he just said, I was outed at 40, was married. He's the one that probably said married with three kids after 10 years living his best life. Now married to a man. He was always gay, but being gay was non-negotiable. I put it in a box and locked it away. And I loved my wife and was attracted to her and could have sex. But the first time I kissed a guy, I was like, okay, I'm gay. Um, and he says I was 41. He was 41. That happens. So, wow. 
Oh, I nailed his name right. I think he said perfect. So I think I said his name right. That's awesome. Good. Thank you. Well, that was a tricky one. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I, 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 I know Jay has kids. I know he so obviously was married and I know very proud of his daughters and um, is in a wonderful relationship. Didn't really know that part of his story, but parts of what he just shared are what I have heard from many others that have been in a similar situation is I just, it's like a light switch. I just shut that part of me off. I just locked it away in a box. I just didn't think about it. I just worked really hard and was a really good dad and was a really good husband. And I just didn't, didn't think about that. Uh, even though I knew, um, and then they have that light switch moment. And I don't, know why but then they decide god bless and i'm glad that they feel that they can um come out and live their authentic self Uh, i don't know if it's because well now the kids are old enough and i can get over it or if it's just because society embraces it enough now or because i'm more mature and i can stand on my own with this um i'd be interested for walter or, or jay if you wanted to chime in on that as is, is what gave you the confidence then to, to then be your authentic self. Mm-hmm. That's why it's hard for me to comment on it because I came out so early. And like I said, I was, I was the only thing different about me the day before and the day I told my parents was that they now knew nothing, nothing changed. Like I just, uh, and there wasn't like a light bulb other than that, you know, I, I had gone to a gay bar, sort of, sort of like your situation. I had gone with friends because I knew it was a good time, and a guy approached me, and it just happened. It just happened. Um, I'd probably had a couple drinks, underage, um, and it just, it just happened. And it was just like, oh, this is, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Hmm. Um, so that's how it goes. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to talk about it in sort of 2021 terms is that I still, I still think it's a complicated journey. Unfortunately, I think that's really sad, actually, that it's still a really complicated. I do hmm. think there's probably more people who are accepting. Like I would hope that you would find your tribe, either people at your work or people at your school or people in your community. I mean, at least now, if you're in college or university, you know, there's probably a group. Um, oh yeah. They have I mean, probably a group for everything now in colleges. Yeah. But I mean, but, but I mean, I can, there's probably still some amount of, if you're really struggling, there's probably still some amount of shame of walking into that room that first time. Like, Oh my God, I wonder mm-hmm. if anybody saw me mm-hmm. come to the game meeting. Um, you know, like, like, like even if it was a, yeah, yeah. Or even if it was a, you know, um, just like any other group that there might be that you, you know, mm-hmm. might be going I mean, to help for a group. Yeah. Like the a or, group or or group or, yeah. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. Or drug addiction groups or something like that. Oh my God. I wonder if anybody saw me come in the room. Um, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's too bad that it's still so difficult. Yeah. So there's some questions from Angelica, <laughs> Angie, whatever you want to talk. Uh, way off the gay topic. So sure. I'm just going to read a couple here to you. What's the most spontaneous thing you've ever done? 
the most spontaneous thing I have ever done. Um, about two, yeah, two years ago, um, I just packed off and t- I was 2019. Yeah, 2019. I took myself to Puerto Vallarta for two days, or for two days, for 11 days. Um, I know that doesn't seem very spontaneous to most people, but for me, that's very out of character to just sort of pack up and say, bye, I'm going away. Mm-hmm. And I'm going away by myself. And going away by myself. Because I always felt that spending that much money or going to that, like you sort of had to um, share that with somebody um, or or take that in. So for me, that that was really spontaneous. It was right after Umbrella Academy finished filming, I think, like, I think I left the following week um, and I just like, I just needed to go away. I had ended a relationship, a 13 year relationship had ended the fall prior and I had sort of vowed to just sort of be single and not really date anybody for a year. Um, But there were still sort of some romances and there was one starting sort of right about that time and I just needed to go away. And, and and so that's what made it, it. So that's why I say it doesn't really sound that spontaneous. But for me, this was something that was organized and planned like within about 10 days. And then I went away for 11 days. So it wasn't something I had planned on for months and months and months or weeks and weeks. It was just like, fuck it. I need to go away. And hmm. I'm just going to go and I'm going to go myself. I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm going to rent a condo and I'm just going to immerse myself in the, the lifestyle. And I just went, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, how yeah, about crazy, eh? <laughs> do you do you have a useless talent? Do I have a useless talent? Uh, yeah, probably a lot of my talents are useless. Uh, <laughs> um, a useless. I would. I talent. would have to say. I would have to say co-hosting the Stephen Urquintello podcast. That that would be his. Oh my god. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. No, uh, I always get a buzz off that. Um, do I have a useless talent? That's actually a tricky question. Like I'm actually, kind of, I have one. I'm like the fuck who asked that kind of question. And I feel like every talent isn't really useless. Right. I mean, I could pop my belly button out. Is that a talent or more of like, something yeah see, yeah, see like yeah see see that seems like a useless talent yeah <laughs> I, I mean <laughs> um, i don't know if i have do i have a useless talent i don't know i'm gonna i'll keep thinking on that one i'm not avoiding the question i just i'm just nothing jumps out at me like that yeah i don't know i do a lot of things that are probably useless but, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know that it's a useless talent um, hmm. Good one. We'll come back to that one. Come back to it. Come back to it. All right. Here's a what? What's his name? What's his name? Uh, the dude that just said that he came out of the closet or whatever and was forty. The dude that called you a thunk. He okay. said uh, me reversing my belly button would be called a hernia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, yeah, was, it could be true. Very true. Um, exactly. Here's another one. I'm not. I'm not even proofreading them. I'm just kind of reading them as they're there. Okay. Why do you? 
why do you think we judge ourselves by our intentions, but judge others by their actions? Who the fuck sits around and just thinks these kind of goddamn thoughts? This is insane. Let me read that again. Oh, well, I, well we talked a lot about that. Our intentions by our action. We talked a lot about that last week, though, right? I, I, louder it, than words. Oh, we did. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So why do you think, yeah, why do you think we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions? I think I I know why. Yeah, I think I know why. It's a good, that's a good way to do it. Interesting twist. Why do we judge by our intentions? We should judge ourselves by our actions too, right? You know what? Yeah, I think because because we think our intentions are coming as pureness from our head and from our heart. But again, unless they really come out as action, are they really? I don't think so. That's a really, wow, really smart person to twist it that way and ask it that way. That's true. Um, Yeah. I, I, whoa, that just really makes me, wow. That really makes me think like, I do, when people, you try to be your word, but I want to be my word, but to be my word, I have to put it into action. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's a deep, good question. Yeah, that could be why do, I, why do I think we do that? <laughs> why do I think we do that? I think because it's easy. I think because it's, just, it's, it's easy to put it out there. It's easy to say, you know, again, this is why I say it. We've said this to other people um, you know, I think in other episodes, people, you know, don't expect all those people who said that they were going to be there for you starting your business. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to be there. Oh, I'll make that introduction. Oh, I'll do this. Oh, I'll do that. Because it's so easy to say that stuff. And then mm-hmm. it feels like you've done something good for your friend by making that offering. And it feels good. You feel good that you feel that you gave them something. Um, I think, unfortunately, we're conditioned. I think that's why we do it. But I think what this person is getting at is that we really need to put our our actions uh, behind our words. Yeah. And I have to say, I tried. I do. I do try to do that. I, somebody I dated, um, the, the guy I dated after I came back from Mexico that I, I started seeing just before, um, and he and I sort of, I don't know, we sort of on and off and really. Interesting relationship, but I th- I think we finally closed out that chapter. Oh, this is the same guy that I had the um, the prediction experience with when we were in um, the grocery store and we predicted the names of the, the cashiers at each at two separate stores side by side. Had a re- we had a really strong energetic connection. I really do think Tyler and I are soulmates, um, but not all soulmates are necessarily meant to be mates. Um, which is the first time that I've said that about him because I felt that he and I were connected on that level and that that was going to be our, our destiny. Um, and we really worked through a lot of that this year from January to April. Um, and then it was like, no, it was clarified that that's not going to be it. Trying to get back to what the question was. <laughs> the, um, um, yeah, he and I just really worked through that actions need to go with your words. And so 
I'm grateful to him for that because I, since knowing him and since having him in my life, I have really, truly um, improved the amount of uh, action behind my words to the point where I think, I think I said this last time as well, that I won't offer up my help or suggestions if I can't truly um, live behind it. Hmm. All right. That's a good answer. What do you think? What do I think? I mean, uh, I mean, why do you think we judge ourselves by our intentions and judge others by their actions? Because our intentions are, we don't, we don't perceive them to be actions. Our, our subconscious is destroying us because I know what my intention is towards other people, but my action isn't showing it because I'm playing a game, but inside I'm beating myself up because I'm like, fuck, I'm so tired of playing these games. My intentions are to use this person, to abuse this person for whatever reasoning. And that destroys you because so you're judging mm-hmm. yourself constantly. And then we judge others by their actions because we're seeing their actions, even though, even if they're being the same way that we're intentionally being towards someone else, we judge them because they're showing it and we don't have enough courage to actually show it. So I think we judge them based off them being whatever, like an asshole, this, that, but in reality, we're like, damn, I wish I could be that brave because we're too weak that we have to use these people, abuse these people. And I don't mean physically abuse, just using them as an abuse. Yeah. So that's why we judge ourselves with our intentions because if you're not having good intentions towards something, you're going to beat yourself up over it. But that's what I think. Cause I've been there before. Yeah. And then I think, I think, I think then also you, you may realize that your intention, I think you sort of touched on it there too, that you, you then realize your intentions might not be pure or honest or integral. Um, but yeah, your, your intentions aren't what you want others to actually perceive. Hmm. Interesting. Right. And that was from Angie okay. too, actually. So she wrote all oh, these. Thanks, thanks, Angie. Yeah. Angie, I love you. Thank you for, thank you for promoting us. Thank you for, for shouting out and thank you for, um, yeah, you've been a real supporter of Stephen and I on this little eight episode journey that we're on so far. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, she says, here's another one. Do you think intelligence or wisdom is more useful? Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. Wisdom kind of suggests that you have intelligence from the past. Do you think? Mm-hmm. You're wise. Yeah. Wisdom or intelligence. Um. Yeah, wisdom's based on experience. Jay just wrote that in. Wisdom's based on experience. I I would think wisdom. Yeah. Hmm. I I think they're both equal. Um, Jay just wrote in again. He says intelligence is the ability to learn and apply. And I think that's true, to see the wisdom in something and then take it and apply it. Um, and learn it and be open to it. And I would say, you know, I guess I'll sort of pat myself on the back. I've, I've never, I love learning. 
And I think I've even, even I've said that in these broadcasts is that, look, I'm willing to be schooled. I'm willing to be opened up. I'm willing to be shown and taught. I, I crave learning. Even when I was a kid, I would never read books. And that's partly because I was dyslexic. I still am dyslexic. But I would read for information or I would read for knowledge. I would struggle through. I would want to crave to learn something. I would read all sorts of articles about anything and everything. Mostly because I don't know if they still have it, the book called The Reader's Digest. Um, my grandmother always subscribed to that. You go to grandma's place and you're bored as hell. Um, I would read The Reader's Digest. Like as a 10-year-old, I would read The Reader's Digest and read all sorts of articles that a 10-year-old probably shouldn't normally be reading. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, about psycholo- psychology and health and, and everything. And I would just, uh, yeah, I would just crave crave knowledge, crave to learn. Um, but if I had to choose, if I had to choose wisdom or intelligence, I don't know if I could choose, but I'm grateful for the wisdom that I have. And I hope I have the intelligence to apply it, to learn new things and apply. Do, 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 do. Where did the questions go? All right. What? Uh... I like, Thanks I like questions, guys. I'm, I'm surprised these questions coming in. Yeah, but these are all from Angie. Um, what's your proudest accomplishment? Um, my, yeah, my proudest accomplishment is, um, is, is every last production that I've ever been on. So the last thing that I filmed was Umbrella Academy. That is my proudest accomplishment because as you know listening to tonight I was told I would become nothing I was told that this journey would not be supported I was told it couldn't happen um, and I made it happen and uh, I made it happen on a on a Netflix series which you know is there a lot more I could do is there a lot further to go absolutely Um, but those days on set were my my proudest moments for sure hmm that's good. Yeah. All right. Where's the next one? What is a relationship deal breaker for you? Relationship deal breaker. So I'm, I'm assuming like, let's say you were already in a relationship. Nah, I don't know. I guess if like, yeah, relationship deal breaker. I suppose, I suppose it could be if you're in a relationship and it crops up, or I suppose it could be if you find out something about somebody and it's a, deal breaker um what that's uh, that they uh, <laughs> that they don't like dogs if you don't like i'm sorry if you don't like dogs like no no <laughs> it's not gonna happen <laughs> honestly uh, if you don't like dogs yeah i know that sounds trite but i'm a pretty because i'm a pretty open guy what a deal breaker. Hmm. That would bother me. Yeah, it would bother me. If, if, because I, I also think how people relate to dogs and animals is really important. I think that says a lot about people. Um, I really do. So, yeah, that would, be, that would be tough for me if somebody didn't want to have a dog. I know that sounds trite, but, mm-hmm. you know, there are worse things. Like, I, I love like, dogs. The only reason I wouldn't want a dog is because of the heartache, because that dog will die. And I'm not trying to have this dog from a puppy to 20 years and have to live with that pain. It's just, I just don't want to deal with it. That's the only reason I don't want a dog. 
I know. And it is, it is heartbreaking. It's mm-hmm. I've, I've had a dog from a puppy and I lost, lost that dog. And I now have another beautiful dog and I know he's getting older. Like he's maybe got three years, maybe five if we're lucky. Um, but I see him slowing down and I see him getting older and he's, Oh my God, he's the sweetest pup. He's mellowed into the sweetest pup. He was a real rambunctious guy um, and real trying on my nerves, but we ran agility and we, we trained and, and uh, you know, so I don't know. We have a, we have a, I have a real bond with this dog, Archie, mm. my buddy. And um, yeah, it's going to be hard, hard to lose him a year ago. Um, when I was moving to look after my mother, I thought I was going to lose Archie because it just didn't seem feasible to bring him down. And, and sort of, I, I, I have an arrangement with my ex now, which works out for both of us where I have Archie a month on and a month off. So he's, he goes back this weekend to Toronto. I, um, yeah, I thought it was going to work out that uh, it wasn't going to be feasible for him to come down here just because of the health issues that my mom was going through and looking after a dog and everything being upside down. And I, I remember posting uh, a year ago this time, all these pictures of like, Oh my God, he's never going to understand. And I was so heartbroken. And what's he going to think? <laughs> it's just like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then my, my, my ex and I figured it out. It's like, no, a month on a month off would actually work. So yeah. Thank him for coming around to that. And that's cool. Oh, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Um, what is relationship thing lost for you? Um, okay. Last one that Angie asked. If you could have someone narrate, 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 I I can never say that word. If you could have someone narrate your life, who would you want it to be? Hmm. Who would I want to narrate my life? Um... I think, I think hands down, it would be, uh, <laughs> it would have to be a comedian. Um, it would probably be Kathy Griffin because she's such a, ca- a sassy bitch. Um, <laughs> and I think she, she would, <laughs> she would understand things with empathy, but she would also be able to cut me down and, uh, and make <laughs> it laugh. Yeah, no, I think, I think that would be her. Hmm. All right. Let me, oh, no, 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 don't cut off. Um, There was one. Where did it go? Where did it go? It was Walter, your buddy Walter. Um, Why is Kevin scared of ghosts? So why, why are you scared of ghosts? Why are am I scared, scared of ghosts? I'm not scared. Are you scared of ghosts? I'm not. No, I, 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 I would rather have had a, I would rather have met a ghost tonight than done this. This has been okay. This has turned out just fine. I'm actually good. Um, I, 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 I settled into it. I was, uh, like I said, I was a little bit nervous. I was a little bit afraid. I was a little bit excited. And why I had posted on the, the banner, I would rather meet a ghost. That's what it was. I would rather meet a ghost. And I'm not one to talk about myself. I'm not. Um, it's just even with my even with my performance skills, you know, like okay, like you saying, sing, go ahead, sing. Um, I cannot sing in a small crowd. I cannot perform in a small crowd. I don't know. There's this thing that people think that just because you're an actor that you should be funny or you should have a little bit prepared that you can like do at a party or something like that. I'm not that type of. I've never gone into comedy in that kind of way. I've studied comedy at the Second City, and so I know how to write and I know the essence of comedy and that sort of stuff. But I, I, I'm not 
that type of performer. I'm a performer that performs really well. You can put me on stage in front of 2,000 people. I will be fine. I'm just fine. Ask me to do something in a room of 20. Can't do it. Scared stiffless. Hmm. I just can't do it. Um, ask me to, you know, yeah, pick up the guitar, sing around the campfire. Can't do it. Sing, uh, Kevin, you lead happy birthday because you're the singer. Can't do it. Hmm. Can't do it. Don't know why. But if there That's were 850 crazy. people, 2,000 people who paid their ticket sitting nicely in their seat, I could do it. <laughs> so weird. It's like, the, it's like that alter ego thing we talked about. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, when you're put on the spot, it's like, uh, you know, you just weren't ready for it. But when you were prepped, you know, that alter ego comes into play. Oh, for sure. Heaven isn't the one doing it. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're not, you're not prepared. Kevin's not the one mm-hmm. doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's, I think I perceive that there's more potential for interaction of judgment. When if, we're not, if they didn't pay for a ticket. True. And if somebody paid for a ticket, I feel like they're not going to be there judging because they're already expecting, you know what I mean? They already know what the show is kind of going to be about. It's one of their favorites. They've heard of it. But if you're yeah. like campfire and they're just like, Hey, We've heard great things about you singing. Can you do it? Those expectations are through the fucking roof. And they're going to be focused right. on one yeah. thing, you, not a set behind you and multiple people dancing around you and other things, you know? Exactly. And, and in that environment, again, it's, it's, it's a misconception on their part. I don't judge them for that. But, like, I haven't warmed up. I, I haven't warmed up. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. It's, it's, um, you know, which I don't know, maybe that's, but some people can do it. I can't do it. I, I'm a performer in a theater. I'm not, I'm not, I'm really introverted outside of offset or off stage. Not, not really that guy. Um, yeah. I know. There you go. That's All right. There we go. <laughs> Man, well, we got we have 13 minutes left. I feel like that went by kind of smooth. Well, have, I, I mean, I my mind's kind of blank at the moment. Um, well, you did a great job. You were you were you didn't know what you were going to do, but you did a good job. You kept me going, so that's good. You yeah. got some questions in there. All right. Yeah, I feel. I did, don't feel. Did, I feel did, like, did I answer? Did, or what do you want to know? Did I answer what you want to know? What do you want? Yeah. Do you want? <laughs> I, I mean, we talk off this though too. So do I want to know yeah, anything? I yeah. I mean, so that's not really fair, but I, yeah. I mean, how in depth do people want to get? Like, I don't know if they want to know your dick size, how often you jerk off. Do you wear boxers or briefs? Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know. Um, um, uh, I, I think we I think we talked about some of this last week. Um, I prefer the bottom bunk, although I can flip. Oh yeah, um, you did talk whatever. about that. Yeah. Do, do I wear boxers or briefs? Oh yeah, I think we answered some of this before too. Is I I I buy way too much underwear and um, and workout shorts and gym gear. I, I buy way too much of that stuff. Um, boxers or briefs? I don't know. I I briefs or jocks. There's that answer. Uh, Dick size, um, it, it, it's not it's not huge size, but but um, it, it does the job. How big? How big is it? What? <laughs> what is what it is? <laughs> it is what it is. I'm not I'm not you. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy that I can't I can't be that. It is what it is. Um, you, you, it, it you, does, it does. 
You know what? I, What's that? I should do this. I should do this shit live on air. Fuck. I can't get hard right now. Cause I, I fucking can't. There was a, so I got the iPhone 12, right. And I'm sitting there and I'm going to find it right now. I, I clicked in my utilities, right. And there's, here it is right here. And it's called measure. I literally was just putting my hand out to my hand and it measures when you hit it, like from your like index finger all the way to whatever you want to do. Right. And it tells you how big it actually is. Um, I'm doing it right now to my hand, like two and a half inches away, three and a half inches away or whatever for your hand. I was like, man, dudes could really just do that with their dick, take a picture and really show proof. I feel like that's what they made this measure thing for. Um, oh yeah. I, I, a guy definitely made this for sure. And that's, and that's yeah. what I've always found. Uh, I've always found there's no real context to dick pics. So somebody can send you a dick pic and it can look, you know, astounding. Yeah, it's all about and It's like I can make my dick look like a 12-inch yeah. monster. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it right now. I'm gonna, you got to do it too. Do you have the iPhone, right? I don't know. Yeah, I do. I'm going to – all right. So I'm soft right now, right? I'm going to take a <laughs> – I'm going to take a picture at the base, <laughs> like right where my pubes are like that, right? Okay. So I have it. So I just hit it. Now I'm going to go up. Honey, this is, real, this is really happening. Okay, so, so soft right now, the tip, I'm three and a half inches. That's like at my softest right there. All right, just so everybody knows. I, I'll know. take a picture. Everybody knows. And I will. You know what? Yeah. I'll fucking take a picture. All right, you go. Well, I, I don't even know where the app is. I don't even have it. What? what? I'm going to have to show you off here, and you're going to have to do it next week. Oh, man. All right. What else did you <laughs> change? I'm too excited. Um, yeah. What did you you wanted to sound off about something? You said you had something to sound off about tonight. What was that? Did you? What I want to sound off? Oh, you mean what I want to go off on about? Some bullshit, right? All right, let me tell. Let me get this yeah. nine. Here's here's what I do not get, and it's gonna piss some people off because I know they're probably tuned in right now. Here's the thing. Um, let me get my words kind of collected. I don't know. Okay, if you're dating somebody, or you're with somebody, right? Or you're talking to somebody. Let, let's just say you're talking to somebody. If you kiss somebody, right, or had sex somebody or fucking anything sexual with somebody prior to talking with them, right? Like say me and you, Kevin, right? We just started talking three weeks ago. You found yeah. out that I kissed or had sex or whatever with somebody that you you knew, but you, but you weren't really friends with, right? Maybe four weeks before me and you start talking you can't be mad about that right like no, that doesn't make any no. sense it's like how can you be mad about it? now it'd be different if i did we were talking for three weeks and two weeks into it i did that well obviously you could be mad because me and you th th we were talking right like if i'm talking with you not officially dating you i still take that commitment very seriously right don't you well, I do, and I know you do, but I know a lot of people yeah. don't. I mean, that people don't. That's always the big question, right? Is that at what point are we, what point are we exclusive? Exactly. Without having to ask, and like, I mean, I feel like if I'm talking, talking to you, like I'm not fucking nobody else. I'm not kissing nobody else. But you can't be mad because of something that happened prior to that. Because to me, that's like, okay, are you going to be mad about something I did ten years ago? You going to be mad about something I did five years ago? That doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It makes, no it makes sense. no sense. And even if the person would ask you, right, they're asking you, well, hey, I feel like so-and-so likes you. Okay, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But you still cannot be mad about something that happened 
prior to you two talking. I just want to get that off my chest. Yeah, no, that's 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 crazy. That's crazy talk. Like being upset about. Yeah, no, that happened. That's that's in the past. I mean, being upset about anything in the past is really kind of crazy, right? Like, I mean, bringing it back home to energy and spirituality and and now and connectedness and and everything. Like, really, um, going on now is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, if it's no, where I get really confused is that that quite, Walter Walter just said I didn't ask that question. Oh, that's going back to what is your dick size? Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to know? Uh, no, I don't. What's that? Who wants to know what your dick size is now? Oh no, Walter Walter was just saying that he he was just clarifying that he didn't ask that question because <laughs> that would be something that he would ask. Um, what? Um, yeah, no, the, the confusing thing for me is when you're, especially, I guess, you probably have this too, because you're, you're, you're somebody online, you're known in the, in the social media world, and you get people texting you or messaging you, and yeah, you can be flirtatious. At what point do you, uh, at what point do you sort of feel like you're, you know, sort of saying, yeah, I want to explore a, well, I guess I say this outright. I say, are you single? Are you open to exploring uh, a relationship? And I have, I have to cross this bridge because most of the time it's guys from a different country or guys in the States. And sort of like, like, and I, as I said earlier, like I am willing to move. My life is a bit of a blank canvas and for the right guy, you know, sure that could happen. Um, but it's, it's just kind of like, yeah, like how many, how many guys can you chat with at the same time before somebody's going to get upset? I don't know. It's, it's weird. Exactly. Um, but I, I, I do, eh, I do tend to get emotionally connected very quickly because I, 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 well, I, we've talked about this be, as well. I, I go for the sapiosexual connection first. Like to me, that is, that is everything else is, you know, dick size and body and everything is, that's all hot, hot, hot. But, uh, What's really hot is what's going on between somebody's ears and behind their eyes. Oh my God. That's like, yeah, that's really sexy. Mm-hmm. And when you connect, when you just connect with somebody and yeah, when you have that connection and find somebody that you connect with on that level, then all that other stuff just falls on, falls into place. At least for me. But, oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And that, and that's something that I've learned with, I've, I've, I've probably learned that in the last three years. I wish I'd known that. I wish I'd known that uh, a lot mm-hmm. sooner in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all right. We have four and a half minutes. What, what, what do you want to say? Do you want to say anything? Do you want to go off on somebody? Do you want to, you know what, you know what I really think we're still going to do? We are going to do that. We are. I think we talked about it. We're going to, I want to have sex. Not personally me, maybe me, but on air. Like I want people to hear real sex. Go for it. Yeah. There. Um, yeah, I just want to get it to my chest. So we have four minutes. And I'm still Go. going to moderate and ask questions in the middle. <laughs> if, <laughs> you could. Okay. You could. We got, we, we got to figure that out. <laughs> okay. We'll talk. Um, what do we want to go off on? Um, thank you for turning the tables. Thank you for mm-hmm. being gentle and making it uh, – actually making it very – um, 
Uh, reflective. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think I surprised myself and I appreciate you for that. And uh, I hope I didn't bore everybody to tears. Um, I look forward to turning the tables back on you <laughs> and making it to <laughs> Stephen Urquintalo show. Um, but no, I really appreciate that. And, and welcome back from Facebook jail. So yes, just I like back today. I, yes. yes. Just as, as we've as we always talk about, you had a good you had a good time in Facebook jail. Things were good. Things were busy. Yeah, they were busy. I mean, yeah, I mean they were good. They not not as productive as what they normally are. But I mean, we did. Me and you came up with that good concept that we're going to do. Yeah, we got stuff going on, and looking forward to our visit. Stephen's birthday is coming up in September, so we're gonna have we're gonna be doing a birthday show mm-hmm. live from from yeah. a great location. Yeah. Um, we might actually, you know, yeah, we, we could also we could, do, we, could, we could do the podcast like we do now on Saturdays, and then we can also set up and do a Facebook Live video, you know, with us, what, what like both of, our, both of our shit, yeah? Yeah, while we're there. Yeah, I think we talked about that. Yeah, no, that would be good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be September 18th. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's coming up. And yeah, just lots of, lots of good stuff happening. So I, I for me, fall is always... We're coming into fall. I can't believe that we're at the end of August. Fall for me is like my New Year's. I'm not a big New Year's resolution guy, but I don't know. When I think a lot of the pivots in my life have happened or when a lot of things have really come together, for me, it always sort of seems to be in the September, October, November months. So I feel like I'm coming into I'm coming into my my time. I'm coming into a good time. So I'm looking forward to that. It's the same for you. Oh, I get depressed around the winter time. I don't know why. I always have. I don't know why. I get I get really depressed. Like my my depression hits the hardest. Suicidal thoughts really they they come into play. I don't like always been that way. And I today I actually started feeling it. Sitting here during this podcast, something hit me like the the air. Like I had my blanket on me, and I felt that energy that I felt fucking 30 like 15 to 18 years ago i could smell it in the air like the air that way oh, no. like, oh, winter time yeah it's crazy how i can pinpoint this shit happening and i i hate it i hate fall and i hate winter because of that reasoning um always been that way crazy so well what's different now is uh i hope for both of us is that uh we are in each other's lives now and uh we've got some some stuff in, in the works and uh, I hope maybe we can make that change. Yeah. We're going to probably hit what, what do you think in like five years? I think we'll be sitting on 300 mil. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no hope. We have 30 seconds. So cheer everybody up. Thank you everybody for tuning in. This is the uh, Kevin Hartley show. You know what? You take it out. Boom. Go. Bye guys. I'm going to say bye now. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in to the Kevin Hartley show. I look forward to next week being the Stephen Urquintalo show. Y'all have a great week. Peace out. Nope, you got 19 seconds. What? I see. I don't see the countdown. What am I going to 15, talk about for 19 seconds? 14. I'll tell you when you have 10 seconds. Hold on. It's going to say 10, right? Ready? 10 seconds. Go. All right. Thanks to everybody who asked questions. Thanks to Jay. Thanks to Walter. Uh, thanks to uh, Angie for asking Angie. questions. Thanks for Stephen for being a great host. <laughs>